Hello and welcome to the FSF and Tapestry podcast. I'm Jules and today I'm joined by Suma Din. Suma has been a guest on our podcast before and um, she's also spoken at one of our Tapestry education conferences. So hi Suma, it's lovely to see you. Hi Jules, great to see you too and thank you very much for having me back on your podcast. Brilliant. So um, the first question is, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your work? Yeah, um, it's been many years now that I've been working in three areas. Uh, The first was family learning. So I taught adult classes to parents on how to support their children in primary school settings predominantly. And that was a range of literacy classes. So it's really quite involved and hands-on about their primary literacy curriculum. Um, Alongside that, I wrote resources for schools, so non-fiction books and educational resources. And um, I spent two decades doing a lot of voluntary work in the local community, particularly with women and young girls. So it's been uh, those three things, I suppose, are what what I've been doing most of the time. Thank you. Um, And you've recently written um, an article for us. And that article focused in a bit on um, the support that community-based settings can offer um, parents and families, and particularly mothers. So we're going to be talking about that. Um, And I wondered if you could tell us about some of the different kinds of community-based settings that you've been in contact with. Yeah, so over the years, because of the voluntary work and the adult learning work put together, there's been quite a lot of contact with mosque-related community settings. So that works a bit like how church halls work, you know, that there's a mosque and then there's a, a centre that they own next door or down the road. Mm-hmm. And it works really well because they get um, the congregation that comes to them regularly to participate in a lot more um, activities. And often it's open out to the whole community so there's a lot more interaction and um, different people come along that may not have come to something um, locally. So that's one type of community setting. Um, the other is the local authority run community centres. Uh, now, what I've found over the years, they can often be run um, in conjunction with a voluntary group, like a faith group or um, like a family-centred group. And that brings across quite interesting partnership between the local group and the local council's family not family centers but just community centers so it's these type of settings that I'm, I've had the most contact with yeah thank you and you also um for the article spoke um to um there was a collaboration wasn't there but can you tell us a bit a little bit about that one as well yeah that sure so that was um that was Similar to what I was referring to, that there is um, local authority centres, which are known as community centres, and then um, an an organisation that ran um, classes on faith and maths and English tuition and, you know, just supporting children and parents actually worked together with that community centre and they now run it. Um, And this is local to us in High Wycombe, which is the context that I've been in for the last about. 16 years or 17 years Um, and so what happens then is that you have a faith group who's able to collaborate with 
family services and and that just is such a great combination because they're able to offer a lot more to their local audience um, and the services are often are then able to reach people that they may not have so I think that's I don't know how much that's replicated around the country but it's a really good thing I've seen here and it's it's been a gradual thing but it's grown into a, such an active centre where they have programmes for youth, they have parenting programmes, they have like baby health clinic, um, they've got an on-site library, IT facility. So it really branches out. And I'm quite sure have, from having visited that centre that they're reaching people that may not have reached those services and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, is there a particular and important kind of support that a community-based community based setting um, can offer where there's an understanding of the languages and heritage within the local community? Yes, Jules, I think there's a, there's a big role that they play. Um, not to say that mainstream early years uh, sort of parent support doesn't, they have they play their role too, but these community settings often they're run by people from the same community, minoritized community nearby, and that often helps with in two ways. One, that they can understand some of the cultural nuances that those parents are operating within. So, on the plus side, that could be that they value a lot of their cultural capitals which might be overlooked in other settings. And on the other hand, they can actually um, challenge some less helpful cultural um, perspectives or myths or, you know, how you get certain attitudes ingrained about, you know, it could be about breastfeeding, it could be about the independence of a three-year-old or not. You know, and that those messages can be quite ingrained in some families and cultures and when there's a community setting often the staff are really aware of all that and they can support parents to challenge some of that which is not helpful and they can also um you know encourage and draw out the good things that um can get overlooked sometimes so I think there is a big role for them to play. And obviously language, yeah, as you mentioned in your question, language uh, barriers are less, certainly less than what I saw 20 years ago, but they do exist because migration and movement is one of those ongoing, very complicated subjects. So while there's you know, huge minority communities now that um speak English fluently and language is not a barrier, but there's equally, there are still new new faces and new families moving into areas that feel really lost and lonely. And sometimes having staff that can speak Arabic, speak Urdu, speak Pashto, speak Bengali, is literally like a lifesaver for parents feeling a bit alienated. They don't know the system, they don't know the country, they don't know how things work. Um, sometimes they just don't know that there's like a health clinic um, nearby. They think everything's got to go through the GP surgery for their children. Just really simple things. But having worked 
in the past as a volunteer for a um, refugee charity in, in High Wycombe. It's a few years ago, about seven years ago. Um, it really hit me again then that when migrants come in, um, and these were refugee families moving into High Wycombe, the amount of help they needed with just the mechanics of the earlier settings, how do you approach one, how do you apply, um, all of that, it's really helpful to have these community spaces which can bridge that gap for them. Yeah, yeah. And I remember another thing that you said in the article, or, or I think it was perhaps one of the one of the volunteers or one of the people who worked at one of these settings, was talking about the fact that actually the the community based setting the the mums stay so they they go with their children they stay and then you know there's an interconnectedness that that happens between the mothers as well absolutely yeah and that, that must provide so yeah an immense amount of peer support i suppose is what that is part yeah of. absolutely yeah. definitely and uh, i'm so glad you mentioned that because it's something i just forgot to say too that the the isolation isn't always mm. just about where do I take my child or how, what's best for what, what are the best services for the young children. It's often the well-being of the parents themselves, like moms and dads need company or just a, a friendly face in a completely new town. And I think we can all identify with that, whether we've migrated or not. Um, if we were just to move to a new town and we don't know anyone, these settings are great because it's, there's no pressure involved. It's just a like a stay and play or something informative about children's health and children's, um, you know, I don't know, skills, reading, yeah. play, and it's a it's a really good place that friendships are made. And I, I some of the women I spoke to when I was writing that article said that it it, it was one of the biggest things that got them out was they knew they'd see a few friendly faces and there's no judgment which can often happen <laughs> with family or close friends and yeah. it's not always a clean slate when you need support and you're going through those early years with children so just that type of peer support where it's a friend in a in a local center yeah. you can say oh yeah I had a bit of a tough week too or the sleep was terrible all week with with the little one and and I think for many of the people I spoke to and, and my own experience thinking back as well that can be half the solution just being able to share and say you know this is how it is and um, having that listening in so yeah there's so many dimensions yeah. to these community spaces isn't there there, there really there really are and then we touched on it a little bit earlier, I think, but I wondered what kinds of wider support do, do settings that are situated, I suppose, in or close perhaps to a community centre or something like that. What what kind of wider support can they offer parents? Other facilities um, and things like that. Sure, yeah, yeah, they do. They do seem to link up with things like the um, health providers. So, yeah. for example, if if parents concerned about an aspect it could be speech language or it could be growth it could be you know all sorts of things that crop up uh, having the combination of a local group with a community center has a local authority organizations involved and that way 
there's a bit more of a joined up approach. So one is in the health area. The other are things like basic facilities like IT and library um, facilities on site, which again are so useful for parents because they're not having to go somewhere else. They can bring their child into something and then use the library, use the IT facilities. Um, they also have things like um, parent support, uh, mental health support. Um, so those, again, are not housed in other places. They're right there on site. And I think ideally that's something that just serves parents with young children so well because it's already difficult um, to be in several places in a week and um, sometimes quite serious needs can get overlooked yeah. purely because of the geography um, and so when these these services are on the same site or access to them there are people um, from those services in the same community building mm -hmm. I think it just cuts out so much of the red tape or cuts out the unknown as well. Well, how do you access a speech and language person in the council who you can just talk to without going through so many layers of phone calls and, and you know, online forms which you might not be able to navigate? Yeah, I think even with all the great things technology does, these spaces are really good for the old-fashioned face-to-face, person-to-person connection between services and uh, those who need that. You know, the, the people who need the services. Yeah, and that that joined-up approach. You know, time and again, we hear how important that is, don't we? You know, in communities, and the fact that some of the community spaces that you visited, you know, had that connection with the local authority and yeah. that's such a, a strong link, isn't it? You know, and, and then that, and then going back around to some other things you've said, like the, the, perhaps the, the parents or the mothers being in spaces where perhaps they, they feel that this is a place that they can talk and this is a place that they can share. And then, and then that signposting that can happen, whether it's even support, I suppose, with language or support with, yeah you know yeah with form filling with this is this is the correct department to contact and you know here we are and you know it's it's so powerful isn't it to have that connection and actually they do signpost them to um, language classes because that's again local right. at the center that I was referring to in the um, article mm. they're quite close by I think it's just a couple of miles away there is a language center quite a large one and Again, it's as simple as just directing parents to say, you know, that's available mm. and maybe opening up the website and saying, these are the classes, these are the times and helping them to navigate. Because uh, I think when there are early years, children and their parents, so many issues that come up later on mm. can be helped right early on and avoid, you know, and actually avoid bigger things snowballing, um, which then need a lot more intervention. So while it might seem from the outside that oh, it's just a play, stay and play session, or it's just a messy time session, it's actually so much more um, than that. And I, I go back to also when I was doing the um, adult learning classes in primary schools, some of the most 
breakthrough points for those parents was during the tea session. Like during the tea time, a tea and coffee, and we're just chatting. But then someone will say, oh, I really want to know about how to apply for this job I've seen or how to. And then there'll be a discussion. And years later, you see the same people and they really progress. Um, And their children have really done well. And it's that, again, it's that community thing, isn't it? Being there in person to support parents um, navigate so many things that they do. Yeah, so important. And then another role that community-based settings have is is how do they involve parents and carers in their children's learning and development? Yeah, I found this was really interesting because um, the... So a nursery manager that I spoke to um, mentioned quite a few ways they do this. Sometimes they have open sessions, so they open, advertise to like the whole neighbourhood nearby. And it doesn't require you to have a registered child there or anything, but it is an information session, say, on a type of play. Um, and they'll then model that play and more or less be teaching parents and involving them and showing them how to play in a certain way or they might have sessions on for example the types of open questions you can ask them at an easy level but modeling that involving parents um, and it's all to do with communication which is so important so those are some things they do to help their, with their children's learning other things they do are a bit more aligned to the services that are provided Mm -hmm. locally so they may have like a mental well-being session and then they've got somebody qualified from a local um, organization that deals with mental health to come in and address the type of well-being that parents need Mm -hmm. in order to then help them with their children and that knock-on effect is I think much more important than we realise um, a lot of the time. And one of the examples in the article was about Mind, the the mental health charity Mind, working with um, another charity called the Lantern Initiative in Peterborough to do exactly this. And they did a lot of research and created, on the back of that research, a programme for Muslim mothers, which supported their mental health. Um, in a spiritual way, mm-hmm. um, but it was really tailored towards early um, childhood, um, postnatal, perinatal, you know, all of that. So I think that, that it's that, that there's a number of ways they can support them, and that's just one example, but, yeah, it's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. I I'm really interested in that idea of those open sessions where, you know, some kind of a a type of play is modelled or a type of interaction with your child is modelled or that sort of the importance of every parent understanding the role that they play, you know, and how and how much they can support their child's development. Um, Because when you're a new parent, how would you know this? You know, it's not. Yeah. So it's such a that's such a. A, a gentle and connected way to do it isn't it within your community to have this big open session and share those practices and I think be, being in the community it means that you can keep revisiting mm. 
once you're comfortable, it's not just a one day workshop thing. It, you know, you're, there's a relationship that's built and there's trust. And at the end of the day, all of this is really for the well-being of a family. Mm. Um, and so you can't really focus just on the child's well-being without focusing on the parent and supporting the parents learning and and you know the same the other way around so anything that's just solely for parents and the focus is them isn't holistic enough unless it's involving the children so um yeah I think there's there's so much good that comes from these settings yeah I'm I'm just looking at my notes from your article and um one of the mums relating to that space where there was the the kind of course that was being run um, and the connection between um, the the community centre and the Lantern Initiative. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it, I think it's where you got the title for the article from, that one of the mums said the course ran for six weeks and I can say it completely changed my life. I felt supported, safe and understood. Mm-hmm. Just goes to show how vitally important mm-hmm that is isn't it that kind of connection that kind of course that kind of understanding about their their child and themselves I think it was fantastic and actually that mum repeated that phrase a few times which is why it stood out to me when she said you know it completely changed my life Mm -hmm. and you think six weeks in the grand scheme of raising children is a very very tiny amount of time but it's so powerful that it can actually um, save parents and children from years of, yeah, kind of struggles. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're invisible struggles, but it just shows how how good it is to invest in this area and support, you know, I don't mean to exclude fathers, mothers and fathers and grandparents or whoever the main caretaker is um, for children. There's a variety of different important people in a child's life but to support them um with that I think a lot of that course that she was referring to is that self-knowledge as well um and it was tailored from a faith perspective because there's a long um history of sort of mind body spiritual connection in the Islamic tradition and by a lot of the community it's not known um, for so many reasons, sort of lack of education about our own mm. faith is often at the, the, the centre of not knowing. But fortunately, the good thing with a lot of social media and the internet now is that that information is flowing a lot more. Mm. And so some of that um, past, those, those sort of past uh, practices of mindfulness from a faith perspective, have been brought to the fore now. And that course, actually, that the mother was referring to, brought those as part, they embedded those in part as part of the course on mental well-being. And that's why it has probably resonated so well, because it aligned with the mother's belief system. Um, and so it kind of didn't just do mind and body and childcare, it did spiritual mind body and you know well-being of children and I think it 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 really does work for some people if they're that way inclined and their faith is important to them yeah it's that it's that holistic approach isn't it it's that it's that bringing it all together 
Um, I think, again, just quickly looking down at my notes um, from from the article, one of the um, volunteers on that course said, um, yeah, she she just used a little phrase, it's all interconnected, which really stuck out to me, you know, that that holistic approach yeah. is so important to bring everything together and not to ignore any one part of somebody's identity. Exactly. Yeah. But to embrace all of those parts. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think it's, it's, as you said, it's important to embrace them because uh, our modern days of education system, even like higher up, uh, further education, higher education, things get really boxed. You know, science is one box. You know, um, social science is another box. <laughs> and everything's very, very separated. History is another box. But when you're supporting parents and families, well, they're like little universes in their own selves, aren't they? Um, and they embody all aspects of culture, language, background, you know, mental health, all of it's, it's connected. So to do something powerful would require one to then look at all areas and, yeah, and the results seem to speak for themselves. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we're approaching our last question, which is, which is about the about the parents, about the mothers' voices, and it's what impact do mothers say sessions in community settings have had for them and their children? Um, various things they said. One of them was about better techniques. They felt better, like they had a better um, sense of techniques to use when they felt frustrated or tired or just having the language around their own needs which they may not have had before so that was one area so coping strategies you know practical thing but uh, again it's not as you said earlier on it's not something that you're born knowing you're like how do you know when you become a parent how well or not you're going to cope in certain situations mm -hmm. so that was one and then the other thing that came up especially from the six-week course was like emotional well-being Mm -hmm. um, and again, having the tools to say, okay, I don't feel good about this, this particular time, so I'm going to do this about it. Um, and that has such a strong connection to one's child. I mean, anyone, you don't have to even be a parent, anyone who just spends time with children, it's inevitable. You see how your own moods and emotions rub off uh, and with our interaction with children. So that was another way that it really helped them. Third way was um, like peer support and that socialization. Yeah. Because uh, the word that kept coming up was feeling isolated and lonely. Even if they've got family nearby or friends that they had before, often um, some women said they couldn't see those friends anymore because they're at work um, and their timetables, their routines are so different. They've just had a baby. Well, they've had two babies in three years or something. And so their world's completely turned on its head and the type of social interactions they were having before don't exist for them now that easily. So going to these courses or community settings provided a way out from that kind of isolation. So I think it's, you know, on these levels. And also some of it was um, what when they said what they gained was 
just pure basic knowledge around health mm. and practical things of child health and being worried about things and then feeling okay no that's all right you know these are the markers in development or this isn't something I need to worry about unless there's this sign or that sign so but some of it is that purely practical and very useful understanding um, about those early years where so much goes on <laughs> both mentally physically and in, in many ways for the child and the, the parent yeah yeah do you think um because we talked quite near the beginning about how um setting the community-based settings like this that it, it's a space where parents come and they stay with their children and whereas obviously once you move into or perhaps in parallel to you're at an early year setting on your your child is at the setting and of course mm. partnership with parents and parental engagement is hugely important in those early years settings um but you know, traditionally, the the, the 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 you're working towards your child's independence at that point. So you're you know the parent doesn't stay, uh, apart from perhaps some settling in period or whatever it is. Um, yeah. And I just was as you're talking, I was just wondering about how. Um, do you know of any settings where those early years settings and the community-based settings, I'm thinking about that joined up approach again and, and how important that might be if that were possible for those settings to reach, reach out to each other and to connect and to learn from one another, I suppose. Yeah. I think, um, I can't think of a specific example recently, but over the years I have seen that sometimes a family centres in various locations. I know we had quite a few family centres in Buckinghamshire. Um, they do provide quite a lot for parents when children have gone into a nursery. And there is some parallel going on there where there is support, um, just even the family learning courses we, we were part of. Those were for when your children are in, uh, a, you know, in nursery or in a setting and then the parents were then free which is why those courses were often run in primary schools where there's a nursery so they would then have a family room and it was ideal because the parents didn't have to go anywhere else yeah. you know they literally put the children through one door and then they went through another door for the next two hours they finished just before their children finished so i think there are there are a lot of parallel things going on, but it's always good to look at supporting more of them because, yeah, it, it's a huge job to support your children. And I think the more support parents get, um, the better. In another way, I mean, something else that's established that does work, even though it's very informal, is there's a lot of coffee mornings in primary schools for parents and while they're just called coffee mornings they're actually really instructive and useful because they're information sharing sessions somebody comes along and um, often presents things it's not always just book clubs which is great as well but there's often other things going on in those coffee morning settings and those are really quite easy to access because they're not about academic achievement and <laughs> they're not they're not as high powered as you know like the parents evening but um the ones I've attended have been really good because 
they're that softer approach to supporting parents. Yeah. And often services are coming in, um, doing little presentations maybe for two, three weeks mm. uh, as part of a really informal setting. And I think that's great as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Suma. It's it's a really it's a really interesting area to explore more of, I think, how communities support their families, basically. It's it's a really, it's a really interesting area to think about. And I think the stories and the voices that we've heard through you show how powerful that is. Oh, so thank, thank you, you so much. much for the opportunity of sharing because again these can these um stories can get isolated and these community settings get isolated if we don't have this sort of dialogue so i'm really grateful to tapestry for um this opportunity to discuss uh, the variety that's out there yeah thank you